I just have to listen to that every once in a while. And if you don't know who that is, that is Shadrach, Meshach, Lockridge. He pastored Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego, California for many, many years. And he preached that in a sermon one night. And those things that he said, there, there's more to it than that. But those things that he said, he just, he just rolled off of him. And he just began to say, that's my king. That's my king. And, you know, he was, a, he was an interesting man. He was a great preacher. And I, I've heard him preach before. Uh, he's, he's in heaven now. But uh, his name his, was Dr. S.M. Lockridge. And wherever he went to preach, if he was in a, in a new place, he would tell people that he said they always ask him what his initials stood for. And he said, my initials stand for Shadrach Meshach. And so that's, that was his name, Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. And he said one time he, he told everybody that when the service was over, uh, somebody came up to him and said, why didn't they go ahead and name you Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Lockridge? And he said, because most people would think that I was saying Shadrach, Meshach, a bad Negro. <laughs> and so he said, I'm, I'm not going to put that name on there because he didn't want people thinking that. But I played that tonight because I, I like every once in a while, I'll just turn that on and listen to it. Because, folks, when, when you hear something like that, and, and he said it over and over again, that, that's my king. That, that's my king. And that's who we ought to be able to think about. Who is your king? Who is, who is this king that, that we're talking about? Who is this, who is this one that, that we call God? And, and begin to describe him and to define him. Now, I, I couldn't rattle stuff off like he did. But ever, ever so often, we just need to stop and think, to us, who is this? And, and most of the time, we just we limit it. We say, well, he's God. I understand that. He's God to the world. He's God to me. Well, he's Jesus. I understand that, too. I understand who Jesus is. But when you really and truly pull it down to who we are, then we have to to decide for ourselves who he is to us. Now, we, we, can, we can look at him and, and try to pull, pull him out of, of other things, but who is this God to you? Who is he? And that's what I want us to look at tonight with this in mind. When you hear this, and, and if you want to just, you can just pull that up. If you want to listen to it on your computer, any of y'all know how to do that? If you want to just pull that up, you can, you can just put in, he is, he is my king. And you can put S.M. Lockridge on there, and it'll come up, and you can play it and just listen to it. Because it reminds us of just exactly who God is to us. And that's, that's what we're going to look at tonight. And I want you to join me in Psalms 139. Not a more beautiful psalm, in, in my estimation, uh, than Psalms 139. It's got so much to say to us. 
about God and who God is, but it's, it's who God is to us in this day, in, in, this, in this hour. Who is this, this God? And who is God, if someone was to ask us, who is God to you? And when, you, when we read this chapter, and you recognize the chapter, I'm sure, especially the latter part of it, uh, where uh, there are some things that are said that, that reminds us of, of who we are in Him. But the entire chapter talks about who He is as our God. Because in the day that, that you and I live, we, we live in, in a time of technology uh, where computers are normal, where they didn't used to be normal. Everybody has a computer. If you have a telephone with you, you have a computer. If you have an iPad at home, you have a computer. Some have computers that are on, on desktops. And that's where it all began. And you remember, if you think back, back in the 40s when all of this began to come about, a computer filled an entire room. There's just, it's just massive looking things. And it was slow, but it would do what, what kind of work, whatever needed to be done. I don't know if any of you, have any of you ever seen the movie Hidden Figures? You seen that? If you don't know what it is, it, it's, it's an interesting movie to watch. It's a true story about three black ladies back that worked for NASA. And one of them's name was Katherine Johnson. Katherine Johnson, when she was a little girl, she could figure math problems in her head. And she could get on a board and she could just write and write and write. She is the one that set the uh, orbit for the first uh, spaceship that went up with John Glenn. She's the one that calculated the entry and, and told them how that, that would work. And she did it uh, by just figuring it all out. And part of, that, part of that movie is that the computers are new. And there's a black lady that, that takes care of the computers, and she's over the computers and, and was one of the smartest women uh, that there ever was. And then there's the other black lady. Uh, she uh, is the first aeronautical engineer to ever graduate from college. But these, this, this lady that, that set these coordinates for uh, the spaceship, John Glenn... Uh, they had a, a computer figure it all up, and it wasn't matching. And John Glenn had met Katherine Johnson and had listened to her. But, of course, back in, in the early 60s, late 50s, early 60s, you know uh, that, that black women, they weren't a part of, of what you couldn't, you couldn't sit in the room with a bunch of white men. That just wasn't allowed. And one of the funniest parts of the movie, they had to run about a half a mile just to go to the bathroom. And you'd, you'd see Catherine, and she always had high heels on, and she was running across the parking lot, and she was going over there uh, just, just to do that. And she was late for something one time, and uh, the boss, Kevin Costner, plays him, and she told him what she had to do. So he took a hammer, and he knocked down the sign that said, Whites Only. He said, Now you stay here. But she, John Glenn, before he made his orbits around the earth. He said, you have her figure the coordinates. And if she says it's right, I'm ready to go. 
And he didn't fly until she said, it's good. When you, when you consider all of that, we have computers, but folks, God has built a computer inside of every one of us. We, we've been given a mind, and we've been given a brain to use. Now, we talk about computers, how, how they can store things. Well, folks, we can store things as well. And we store up things or store things that we recall. Now, we may not be able to recall them as good as we used to recall them. But we, have, we recall these things. And, and all of that came about by a God who made us as to who we are. And we all understand that there's not a computer that can stand up to Almighty God. But we can understand that God is, is a God who watches over us, knows all about us, and protects us all in the, in the same blink of an eye as far as He's concerned. And that's the God that I want to talk about tonight as to who He is what He's given to us, what He's doing for us, and what He has done for us. Now, but, but you have to ask yourself, because we're fixing to get into this, I'm going to tell you a truth of the Scripture and then ask you one particular question. God knows all about us. He knows every thought. He knows everything we've done. He knows what's going on in our minds now. He knows what's happening to us. He's everywhere that we are. And He has the power to know everything about us. Does that bother you? Does it bother you to know that it doesn't matter what you say, God heard it? Does it, matter, does it bother you to know that whatever runs through your mind, God knows it? That when you find yourself off over here somewhere... God sees it. Does that bother you? We don't pay much attention to that because it does bother us. You say, oh, no, it don't bother me. Yes, it does. Because what we do is we put that out of our minds. We don't think about God seeing me. We don't think about God hearing me. We don't think about, about God uh, knowing everything there is to know, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing, all of these other things. So we put, that, we put that out of our minds. But that's the truth of what the Scripture says. And so tonight we're going to look at who our God really is. Now, one of the things that uh, I've told you, I don't know how many times, but I'll remind you again. And, I, I, you know, I, I get this. There's a lot of things that I don't agree with, but I get it. Okay? So don't jump on me when I tell you this. I do get it. But I have a problem calling God an awesome God. And the reason is, is because I hear somebody say, boy, that's an awesome pizza. That, that's, that's an awesome place to eat. That's an awesome place to go. This is awesome. That's awesome. That, that's awesome. And if that's awesome, then how can God be awesome? That's my whole deal. If we use that, that term, that, that very term, and, and it's defined in one way, uh, the, you look up the, in the dictionary uh, the definition for awesome, and it's going to tell you what the definition is. So we describe the food, or we describe the place, 
or we describe the clothes or we describe this or we describe that. And I get that. I don't have any problem with that. That's what that is. But when you bring God down on that level and you define him with something that's in the dictionary, then I have a problem. I'm not going to say anything. If you, if you say, man, that, he's an awesome God, okay, I, I agree with you. I, I understand it. I get it. But we cannot bring God down to who we are. He is more than we are. He is far above us. And we need to make sure that in our daily walk, in our daily life, that we keep God as the God of heaven. The God who loves us. The God who gave himself for us. That's the God we want to talk about. And we, we want to remember him and recognize him as the God who is our king. Okay? Now, I need some help right quick. And then I'll get started here. I need some people to read for me. Okay? Y'all got your reading glasses on? Huh? I need somebody to read 2 Chronicles 16, 9. 2 Chronicles 16, 9. I just don't know who to pick. Everybody's got their hand up. All right, Deona. Job 34, 21. You got it, Betty? Proverbs 5, 21. Proverbs 5, 21. Somebody read Proverbs 15, 3. 15, 3. All right. And in Jeremiah 16, 17. Jeremiah 16, 17. Got it, Luann? All right. Jeremiah 32, 19. Jeremiah 32, 19. You got it, Sandy? You got it? Jeremiah 32, 19. All right, now I'm going to start this, and then I'm going I'm to ask you to read that for just a moment. Now, the first thing you see in, in chapter 139 of the psalm or the, the psalm, not a chapter. Psalms 139 begins with, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou, know, thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and lying down and art acquainted with my ways. So here's the, here's the first thing. My God, my King, my God, is an omniscient God. An omniscient God. And we'll find out what that means here in just a minute. But the first thing you see in verse 2 is that He sees everything that we do. Okay? Every movement that we make, God sees that. So what does that mean to us? Okay. Second Chronicles 16.9. You ever think about the eyes of the Lord back and forth, watching you as he watches the entire world? He watches everything that we do. His eyes are going to and fro, it says, up and down the earth. All right, Job 34, 21. From his eyes are far away, but he 
Wow. His eyes are upon the ways of man. Whatever we do, he watches. He sees us. That's what Job said. Proverbs 5.21. Wow. All of, it, all of our ways stand in the eyes of the Lord. Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Everywhere. Think about it. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Jeremiah 16, 17. The eyes of the Lord. Jeremiah 32, 19. And great in counsel and mighty in deed, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the sons of men, giving to everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. Okay, think for a minute. God's eyes are on us. Right now. God knows. He sees us. Not just that, that there's some vibe out there. He sees us. It's not that some angel comes and tells him what we do. He sees us. No one's telling on us. He sees us. When you think about the eyes of the Lord, and, and you know, when we look at someone, uh, we see in their eyes. And I've heard people talk about he had kind eyes, or he had uh, hard eyes. And I, you know, I, I kind of know what, what that means when they're talking about that. But when you, when you think about the eyes of the Lord, they are eyes that the Scripture says are moving back and forth all around the world, all over the world. He is a God that sees not only me and not only you, but He sees the entire world all at once. And his eyes continue to be fixed on us. His eyes are, are fixed on the things that we do. And the thing that you need to understand is that he, he's not a robot. But what God sees, he knows, he remembers. And that's what this omniscience is all about. He knows everything. He knows about you. He knows about me. He knows about my thoughts. He knows about my ways. He knows where I go. He knows what I do. He knows what I feel. He knows what I'm saying. Everything about the things that I do, that is God. So in all of our movements, as he said, when I sit down, there you are. When I stand up, there you are. He's never away from us. He's always there and his eyes are on us. They encompass, they encompass our path. Lying down. The ways, our walk in this life, everything is a part of God. But look at verse 2 again. Because not only does he see us as we move with his eyes on us, but he knows the motive that's in our heart. You know my downsitting, you know my uprising, you understand my thought afar off. He knows your motive. See, and motive is what makes a big difference with some of the things that we do within our life. Why are we doing this? Do we do it to deliberately hurt someone? 
do we do it to maybe pull someone down so that it escalates us in a position that is that is far superior do we say or do something that that would hurt so that we can make that other person uh, feel not so worthy and cause us to be uh, pushed into a position of, of authority where people see us and, and people know us. He knows what we do. Let me put it to you like this. He also knows what we think. And let me read to you what Paul said in the book of Romans. And this, this is... a, a a passage that uh, you read and you wonder, you know, you, you really, as I told you a moment ago, we've kind of put this out of our minds. But Paul said in Romans 2, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. To judge the secrets of men. Can you imagine standing before God? Something that in, in my mind or, or in my ways and the things that I did, and here I am standing before God, and all of a sudden, He just, boom, it blares out. You just fall on your face. Didn't think anybody knew that. Didn't think anyone was aware of that. But it tells us that God knows all of our thoughts. And not only that, in verse 3, he said he searches every moment of our life. He is there. He sees us. He knows the thoughts that are in our minds. And then he knows the, uh, the, the moments that, that we spend. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, you know it all together. What we say, where we walk, verse 3, you can, you can pass my path. That's where I walk. Verse 4. There's not a word on my tongue, Lord, that you don't know. He knows our talk. So we have to make those two match, don't we? If we're going to be pleasing to God. Doesn't our walk need to match our talk and our talk need to match our walk? Because God is watching that. And God is seeing just exactly who we are. But then in verse 5, he has our, our movements and our motive. But then he watches how we uh, maneuver things. Thou hast beset me behind and before and put your hand on me to get me from where I shouldn't be to where I need to be. To teach us that no matter what temptation may come to us, there is always, listen, always an open door. Every temptation that comes our way, God maneuvers us. And I, I, I promise you this. If temptation is luring and you see the temptation and you step toward the temptation, you will have to go on your own because right there at the temptation, God opens a door. And he says, come in. Come in. See, he wants, to, he wants to maneuver us and, and keep us from maneuvering ourselves in a way that, that we are not pleasing to God. So when we think about this, our walk and our talk, our, our thoughts, our movements, how we do things, all of those things are watched over by God. 
And God is looking down on us even right now. But the good thing is God, God doesn't share something like this with us so that we have to draw up in a little ball and we have to be afraid to say or to do. I guess every one of us here understand. Maybe you don't, but I'm fixing to burst your bubble if you don't. God knows we're sinners. Does that surprise you? <laughs> God knows that we fall short of the glory of God, which basically means he, we shoot at a target and it falls there or falls down here and doesn't hit that bullseye. God knows. And we know. See, that's the thing. We know it as well. But God knows everything there is to know about us. But the good thing about that is this. Not only does God know all of these things about us, but God knows our needs. Why do you think Christ suffered and died? Because we had a need. We can't do this on our own. We can't do this by ourselves. We have a need, and God see, he saw the need. Before the world ever began, God saw the need. And then God began to work within our lives to make sure that that need is taken care of. And because Jesus suffered and died, God has met our need. But then there's that need of daily living. The need of knowing that daily God walks with us and that God knows us and that God sees us. And God guides and leads us with perfect knowledge. You know, the thing that you have to remember is that God doesn't forget anything. Have you ever met somebody that doesn't forget anything? Kind of aggravates you, doesn't it? Especially the older you get. We remember things we want to remember. And some things we want to remember, but we just don't remember. Somehow those things seem to slip away from us. But the good thing about it is we're not God. God remembers all things that we need, and He watches over us. Nothing is, is hidden from Him. He has all knowledge. It's sin that keeps us from coming before God and confessing that need. It is sin that keeps us from addressing and, and looking to God and saying, Lord, I thank You that Your eyes are upon me. I thank You that You're always with me. I thank You that You know where I go and what I do and what I say. It's not a prayer we say a whole lot. But it's a prayer that should identify just exactly who we are. He is perfect in His knowledge. He is perfect in His nature as to who He is. He is perfect and He wants us to understand that. He is holy. He is righteous. That's the God that we serve and that's the King that we serve. And He is our King in perfection. He's never made a mistake. He's never had a second thought. And one thing you have to remember is this. God has never, ever said, uh-oh. You ever say, uh-oh? Because we messed something up. I hope that's all you say. Uh-oh. God has never, ever said, uh-oh. Everything that God does, it's planned. He doesn't have a lapse in memory. All of those things just continue. All of those things are, are part of who God is. Because He is omniscient. And that word means He is all-knowing. Knows everything about us. That's what it says. 
in verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I don't know how God does all of that. Only thing I know is he is God. And he knows my needs and he meets my needs. So he is omniscient. That's my God. But the second thing I want you to see is not only is he omniscient, but my God is omnipresent. Look at verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you, O God. Did you ever consider the fact that death does not hide us from God? Just because this body ceases, it does not hide us from God. And the good thing about that is this. From conception to departure from this earth, the exodus that we take through death, God knows everything about us. And I didn't say from birth, from conception. God knows everything there is to know about us. Where can I go, he said that you're not there, which reminds us again that God is always with us. But think about this for a moment. He is there. He's there to protect you, to watch over you. He's there to preserve what's going on. He's there to make things happen just a little bit better. You know, I just kind of a side note here. Let, let me just show you the power of God. And I saw it, and my family saw it when, when we were uh, Friday, when we were still uh, in Florida. We had flown in, and then we were scheduled to leave at 7 o'clock Saturday morning. That's when our flight left. And most of you know by now there's a topical depression, a tropical depression came in, and it was coming in on Friday. We could see the waves got bigger in the Gulf. And in fact, they, they put the warning flags up on the beach and they kept trying to get people to stay out of the water. Uh, they'd let them get up near the edge of it, but not step out in it because of the riptides and things. And so this, this depression was coming in and we knew it. But we got up that morning and it had rained and we got everybody together and we went down to the airport we got all checked in. Our flight to Houston was on time. We got on our flight, and we flew out, and the, the pilot came on, and he said, he said, we're, we're going to have to go north for a little ways uh, and then back toward Houston because of the storm that's coming in. But we should be pretty close to being on time. Well, we was about, we was about 10 minutes late, but we got into Houston, and our flight was boarding to Amarillo. So... Uh, we just kind of got off the plane, went to the gate, got on the plane again. And then we flew into Amarillo. All good? It's all good. About two hours after we left, 
Panama City, the water came in. The beach was flooded. The town was deluged with rain and the wind and all that was going on there. Flights had been canceled coming out of Panama City, flying into Dallas. They couldn't get out. They couldn't move. But God got us home. Just a little side note. Folks, that's what God does. He watches over even little things like that. And it wasn't anything that, that, you know, we just had a big prayer meeting over. But we recognize the fact that the reason we got out of there is because God wanted us out of there. You know, and, and when, when people start thinking about what, what God does and, and how God does things and what God does, it, well, God didn't do this for me and he didn't do that for me. There's been a lot of things that I've cried out and I said, oh, God, I need this. And then he says, no. But it's no different than when my dad and my mother used to say, no. You can't do that. You can't have that. The reason that God does that is because you don't need that. God wants you to have the very best that he can give to you. He's always with us. He's always there. Even in the midst of death, God is always there. I've had my share of watching too much of this over the years. But folks, you can always tell when God is there. There's no doubt about it. When God is there. And when this, this thing called death comes to take someone away from us, they're in the presence of God. They're not dismissed from God. God doesn't know where they are or what they did. And that's what this is saying to us. Where can I go to flee from your presence? There is no place to go. We are in the presence of Almighty God. And we can trust Him. See, that, that's His omnipresence. He's there. He's here right now. He's on the other side of the world. He's on this part of the United States. He's in this church. He's in that church. He's in the other church. He's there. He's everywhere for me and you. Verses 9 and 10 says, Even the distances cannot separate us from God. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Aren't you glad God's hand is always there? Have you ever felt Him take hold of your hand? You ever felt Him? It's not hard. Things are going, uh, just kind of seems like they're just out of sorts with us. And we're trying to get things done and we're doing things. And all of a sudden you just feel something come up and just grab you. And all of a sudden a smile comes on your face and you say, thank you, Lord. You ever had him put his arm around you? It'll be okay. He knows where we are. He knows where we are in the midst of our life. What's going on in our life? You're struggling. God's right there with you. He'll see you through it. But our, our response a lot of times is, why don't he do something? Because it's not time to do something. God wants to do everything perfectly. But he's there to say, just stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. I'll get you there. And that's what God wants to do with us. God is always in the midst of our life. You know, the personality of God, we can describe in so many ways, but I, I get tickled at people that say, you know, God is nature. No, He's not. He's the creator of nature. He's not nature. He's God. 
And we need to proclaim him as God. He doesn't change. He doesn't lie. He's there with us. He said he would be there with us. And so he's always with us because we belong to him. And he's made us who we are so that we can be to God what we should be. Listen to what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 6. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God. That's what Paul said. This body belongs to the Father. The spirit belongs to the Father. And we should give him those things. He's with us. He's here right now. See, he's, he's in this place. He's in you. He's in me. He's always there. No matter where we go or what we do. Even the darkness. Anybody in here scared of the dark? A lot of people are. There's some of you out there just won't admit it. We're scared of the dark. Because we don't know what's there. But thank God, no matter how dark it gets, he's always there. Okay? Now, you, you know the next phrase that I'm going to use. My God is an omniscient, omnowing God. My God is an omnipresent God. He's everywhere at once. Omnipresent is what it means everywhere at once. But lastly, my God is an omnipotent God. And that means he is a God of all strength. Look at verse 13. For thou hast possessed my range. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in your book all my members were written, which in continuance was fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Omnipotent. You know that word omnipotent is only used one time in the Scripture? One time. You know where it is? Give me two more times in the book of Revelation and we'll see it. It's in Revelation 19. Omnipotent God. It means almighty God. Almighty God. He's not just powerful. He is all powerful. He doesn't have just a little power. He's got all power. And the good thing about him is, is that he didn't have to take steroids to get that power. You, you, you ever see these guys on TV, uh, the, these big muscle guys? I, you know, I, I sat down there on the beach, and, and these guys had walked by, and they walked by like this. You know, and, and they, had, they had big old muscles, but every one of them, there's, there was a needle point in, in everything that they shot. What they don't realize is that you quit taking those steroids and your body just goes to looking like mine. See? <laughs> but they look powerful, don't they? 
And they think they're powerful. They think they can do just anything they want to. Listen, God didn't, didn't take steroids. He's the source of that power. He is all-powerful. Everything there is and anything that needs to be done, God is there. And whatever he said, he could back it up. And there's nothing that you can do. No matter who, how big we are, how, how massive we think we are, we are nothing compared to God. We can't stand against Him. We can't plot against Him. Just ask Satan. Satan tried it. He tried to overcome Him. He tried to rise above Him. He tried to plot against Him. It don't work. He is all-powerful. Everything about Him is power. God can move the sun. He makes the sun stand still. He can make it move forward. He can make it pull back. He can reach down and bounce it like a basketball if he wants to because it belongs to him. He made that. The sun, the moon. You read in the scripture where he made the sun go back, go forward. He can even make the axe head float. You say, oh, preacher. Sure enough, he did. It's in the scripture. Elisha, they were, they were cutting down trees, and he cried out and said, Oh, Master, I borrowed an axe, and the head fell off. And he said, Where is it? And he said, It's down in the bottom of that river right there. And he took a piece of wood, and he laid it right there, and that thing just floated right up to the top. And there it was. An axe head can float if God calls it up. And guess what? A donkey is more intelligent than men when God speaks through the donkey. We know that story too, don't we? Amen. And I've talked to some people that I, when I walked away, I thought there's donkeys more intelligent than that guy. <laughs> God can do that. He can make an axe head swim. He can make the donkey talk. And he can make his son into a seed that comes forth from a little virgin named Mary. And give to us Jesus Christ. That's his power. And he can live without a sin one. Not knowing anything about it. But he drinks the cup down. And he is so powerful. That he can take two pieces of wood. And put them together. And take three nails. And put himself on a cross. And stand that cross up. And then he can die. And they can take him down and they can put him in a grave and he'll kick that stone out of the way and walk out of there and he'll ascend to heaven and he can save our souls. That's how powerful he is. And he's so powerful and he is such a loving God that he gives us an assurance. I'll bring you home to heaven. That's how powerful God, my God is. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in life everlasting. My God is an omniscient God. He knows everything. My God is an omnipresent God. He's everywhere with me. My God is an omnipotent God. He is all the power that I ever need in this world. And I thank God. He is my God. Yes. See, your God. Amen. Put some of those things in your heart.
who is your God. But I'm glad, folks, we serve the God of the Bible. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for uh, your grace. Lord, we thank you for S.M. Lockridge that shared with us, Lord, his king, describing. And, Father, we, we have so much description in us, Lord. We can't say it like he did. Lord, we know who our God is, and thank you that you are God. Beside you, there is none other. Thank you that you're God, and we're not. Thank you, God, that you're in complete control. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for touching us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you, Father, for keeping us. Father, I thank you for everyone that's here tonight. Pray you bless and meet their needs. All of those, Father, that in need, Lord, you touch, you heal, you strengthen, you bless. And Father, I pray that you continue to guide us to be everything we should be for your glory. Father, thank you for being my God. Thank you for being our God. And Lord, may we be mindful every moment of every day that you're with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. Now, Father, keep us in your care. Help us, Father, to be your servants. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, folks. Good night.